0: You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest
1: national security grassroots army.
0: Hi, I'm Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now and host of this Code Red podcast. As a young man, I came across a black and white photo showing a 25th anniversary reunion of veterans of the American Civil War, Confederates and Unionists coming together. I remember this photo as I read Bob Welsh's compelling book, Saving My Enemy. Bob describes the coming together of two former World War II adversaries, American Don Malarkey and German Fritz Engelbert. These two soldiers came from very different backgrounds and they were destined to converge years after the fighting ended. Bob takes us from the youth to their battle experiences and beyond. Bob, welcome to the podcast, and let's set the stage of our discussion by having you describe the very different upbringings of Malarkey and Engelbert. Who were these young men?
1: honored to be on the show. Yeah, they couldn't have been more different. Uh, out in Astoria, Oregon, Don Malarkey is growing up like Huckleberry Finn. He's uh, fishing on the Nehalem River. He's catching salmon in the Pacific Ocean. He's living large. He's living free. Uh, meanwhile, in Germany, Fritz Engelbert at age 10 is part of Hitler Youth. He's indoctrinated um, uh, week after week, day after day, uh, so much so that There develops friction between him and his father. His father is not a fan of Adolf Hitler, and um, uh, the young man knows that his parents are aiding a Jewish uh, butcher down the street, and uh, he is very um, uh, tempted to turn them into Hitler Youth because he knows it will um, increase his prestige, He, he will probably get a bump in ranking. And it's the right thing to do because the Jews are uh, are disfavor. They are they are the ones who started World War One, and and they are they are the enemy in essence. And so, um, they they the the upbringings could not have been more different. He wanted to be one of uh, Hitler's uh, chosen few Waffen SS uh, soldiers,
0: and they both end up being engaged in the Battle of the Bulge. Can you um, explain what occurred there?
1: Sure. It's de- it's December 1944. Uh, uh, Easy Company, the, if, if you've seen the 10-part uh, HBO series Band of Brothers, you know who I'm talking about. Don Malarkey was part of Easy Company. They are in France after having fought in Holland. They are in France, and they are living the high life. They've Taken over barracks that the Germans had vacated, uh, they're relaxing, they're gambling, they're playing touch football. Life is good in December of 1944 until December 16th, when they hear that the Germans are throwing one last uh, counteroffensive at at the Allied forces. And they are um, making some deep inroads, inroads into the, to the Allied lines at, at Bestonia um, on about a 75-mile stretch along there. So the 101st Easy Company, are, they're called into duty, you know, and, and thrown up into the, the, the snowy woods of Bestonia, Belgium. And uh, that's when, uh, at one point, Fritz Engelbert and Don Malarkey are fighting within five miles of each other.
0: And this young German man, how old was he at the time of the Battle of Bulge?
1: He was 19. Malarkey was 23.
0: And they both survived the battle Mm -hmm. and they survived the war. Mm -hmm. And what happens to these two uh, young men who uh, as you mentioned, Malarkey uh late in life actually becomes a rock star right. uh, with uh, uh with notoriety uh, from Band of Brothers. Um in your book also on his life. Um what happens to these two men and um what are they haunted by?
1: Well, both of them return to very different situations. Don Malarkey uh, returns to, um, if not ticker tape parades, uh, a warm welcome, a country that is thriving economically, a country that is excited to get on with life after the war. Uh, meanwhile, in Germany, Fritz Engelberg turns to a uh, defeated country, a divided country, a country that literally has no government. Um, and he, re- he returns to the... Uh, The shame he felt of having been a pawn of Adolf Hitler, because after the war, uh, when he understands what Hitler uh, was doing behind the scenes, uh, killing over 11 million people, for example, um, he doesn't he doesn't try to rationalize that he he feels guilty guilty about it he feels intense shame and it, it's extremely stifling to him what don malarkey has in common with with fritz is uh, a, a sense of guilt although for different reasons he feels guilty for having killed so many german soldiers including a 16 year old um uh, just outside of bestonia um he feels guilty because um of the 150 men uh, in easy company uh, only 25 came home without either just came home alive without even been wounded or, or killed. And so he's got survivor's guilt as well. So what they have in common after the war is this is souls that are racked by what they saw and what they did and what they felt. And and for decade after decade, they can't get over this malarkey, um, drinks heavily, uh, he says, in, in the bottom of my scotch every night, I could see the faces of every man I left in Bastogne. Fritz Engelbert, meanwhile, in Germany, he just withdraws. He throws himself into work. He's quiet. He erupts at Sunday afternoon gatherings where a brother-in-law mentions the gallantry of the German soldiers, uh, and and he breaks into tears or, or goes on some angry uh, rant and uh, so both men's lives are swirling in the eddies of, uh, of guilt and shame.
0: And how did they meet after the war?
1: It's uh, in 2004. The, the, the interesting thing is that it was war that brought these two men together uh, or, or, or caused them to be enemies, I should say. And it was, it was also a different war that helped them become friends. It's 2004 in Iraq. And a, a current-day uh, uh, Army sergeant named Billy Maloney, he gets this idea that he, he needs to do something to instill some encouragement in his the men and women of his, his troop. Uh, they've been in Iraq for over a year. He gets this idea to contact uh, somebody from Easy Company and see if some of these guys, the Don Malarkies of the world, the, the Earl McClungs, that they could just phone – on July fourth, two thousand and four, and give some um, some encouragement to, to to his folks, and so that is arranged. But while he's talking to Earl McLung, uh, a shelling occurs, and um, the the line suddenly goes dead. And when McLung gets back in touch with Maloney, the the current day soldier he realizes they these folks need more than simply a phone call what can we do he says billy what can we do to support you guys and billy comes up with this idea let's have an event in germany where my my folks are stationed and and if you could could you bring a half dozen of these easy company guys over to germany uh, maybe in december maybe for the 60 year anniversary of the ba- the start of the battle of the bulge and he and 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 McLong is all in until um, Maloney says one thing, he says, and how about we invite a few German soldiers, and there's suddenly silence on the other end of the phone, but he thought this would be a good idea to to heal some old wounds. Well, long story short, uh, Engelbert is among the German soldiers who's invited to this gathering on a Friday night. Uh, in Germany, he doesn't want to go. Why would he want to go face the enemy that humiliated him 60 years ago? That And, and these these men have come, have gone on to become movie stars with this band of brothers stuff. He doesn't want to go, but his sons have seen their father so racked by war that they think the only way that he's going to get over it is if he faces it. And, and his father says, I am a pawn of Adolf Hitler. And his sons say, Father, you're, you're so much more than that. And this is your chance to prove it. He winds up going, and immediately his worst fear comes true. Uh, Wild Bill Garnier, one of the six Easy Company soldiers there, a guy who, who actually voted no krauts. He did not want the German soldiers to come. He turns to to Fritz and says, Fritzie, it's a good thing you're meeting me now and not 60 years ago, but because if I have met you back in 44, I would have killed you. And he whips his finger across his throat in a slashing motion. This, of course, is the worst nightmare of Fritz Engelbert. He gets up to leave the event when Malarkey suddenly clanks his knife on the side of his beer mug, holds his mug in the air and says, "A, a, a toast to the newest member of the Band of Brothers, Fritz Engelbert. He welcomes him into the fold. And in that moment, everything changes. The story pivots. Two lives will never be the same.
0: You know, I was surprised in a positive way by how Fritz's son, and I believe both sons at some point.
1: Yeah, Walter are, and Matthias.
0: And they've determined you met them. Correct. And you.
1: I I did. I spent I spent two days with them here in America interviewing them Uh
0: of how their concern for their father and the role that they play in actually bringing together uh, crossing this great divide Um, and uh, take us a little further. So sure. Now we have malarkey coming to uh in a sense the defense of fritz yes and germans and um how does this relationship develop
1: it's a great question alan and, and uh, so 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 that is uh, Matthias tells me uh, the, the, the smile on my father's face was unlike anything that i had ever seen this is a man who hardly ever smiled and i saw his smile go from medium to large to extra large. When he realized this was not another joke, he wasn't being played. He wasn't being exploited. He was being welcomed by Malarkey. So the next day, when they move, they go to Bastonia to see uh, Jack's Woods, where uh, the 101st was hunkered down, uh, and to an, an American cemetery in Luxembourg. These two are like two kids on a on a field trip. They they hang out all day long. Up come these Belgian uh, Belgian children who have have drawn um, little cards for all of these soldiers, and and um, it's 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 extremely affirming for both of them. Although Don is used to this, Fritz is not used to. it. Suddenly he's having people he's being asked for his autograph, uh, and it's just overwhelming to him because he's been have had 60 years worth of shame and suddenly he's being celebrated well that night the two of them wind up in a pub in bastonia and Matthias, the son of fritz is is interpreting and they sit down over a couple of beers and they start sharing their stories and they realize that both of them have lived very similar lives in terms of their souls having been ripped apart by world war ii and at one point uh Fritz says to Don, you know what? You, you had no choice. You know, you were in Hitler youth. They, 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 they foisted a gun into your hands and said, go fight, forgive yourself, Fritz. It's not your fault. And Fritz a while later, when Don breaks down says, my friend, the same thing to you, it was not your fault either. You had no choice. And so in that moment, which was full of tears, which was, um, Full of uh, a vulnerability that you don't normally see with World War II generation men. Matthias just sitting there. Unbelievably moved by what he has seen. And by the end of the evening, these guys are our best of friends and they meet two other times. Um, once again in Germany and then both of their entire families gather in Bastonia, uh, and and then Marianne, uh, Don's daughter, invites the two sons of Fritz to America, 2017, to an Easy Company reunion. Now, imagine this. These are the sons and daughters, the nieces and nephews of Easy Company guys. They've been having a reunion for 60 years. And suddenly, unbeknownst to anybody there, Marianne didn't ask permission, she she, she invites these two soldiers ger- sons of a German soldiers show up and she doesn't know what the reaction is going to be, but it's amazingly positive. They're welcome um, there's a sense of forgiveness and uh, reconciliation and so the story kind of has this happy ending that that not only do Don and Fritz heal each other and sort of save each other's lives. that's the name of the book saving my enemy but they're they pass on that that kinship to the next generation. And again, it's the rare war story with a happy ending.
0: You know, uh, on my first trip to Normandy with my wife, um, we took uh, some nieces and nephews and um, and I hired a guy because I especially wanted the, um, the children to get the most out of this trip. And the guide, to my surprise, actually took us to a German cemetery along with the Allied cemeteries, the American and the British cemetery. She also took a side trip to a German cemetery in Normandy. And uh, just going into a cemetery like that was, I mean, it was an experience I had never even thought of. Mm -hmm. I cannot actually imagine what it must have been like for both the Germans and the Americans in your story um, to come together. But I think a lot of it has to do with the generosity of spirit, especially among the Americans. And... I think one of the reasons why we had tremendously successful conclusions to World War II with Japan and with Germany is because America was determined to actually take this victory and bring former adversaries to become friends. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I I think that. I think what impresses me about this story is is this sense of humanity that, Alan, I think you're referring to, and and part of it is that we – I don't know about you, but when I grew up and we were playing combat, um, the Germans were always this faceless enemy. They were just the bad guys, right? They were yep. like the the team that always played the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> right. Nobody nobody knew their names, <laughs> nobody cared about it. They they weren't. They, but, but as I start researching this book and I start reading some of the three hundred letters that Fritz Singelbert wrote home to his mother and father, and I realized that he prayed to God every night in, in his foxhole, just like Don Malarkey did. You suddenly and, and that, uh, that he wanted the war to be over he He was what he thought was going to be a grandiose experience quickly soured into a- a horrific experience and so what I realized and i I have to admit it that I had a very short-sighted view of these people, the germans and and I didn't ascribe a lot of humanity to them and I think what Don and Fritz do when you sit down over beer and look somebody in the eye, you suddenly it's, it's very easy to to uh demonize our enemies if we never engage them in conversation if we never look at them if we never learn about them and consider that they're really not all that different than we are do they look at the world differently yeah they do um and yet there's so much that we have in common and i think that's that's what enabled don and fritz to uh get beyond the idea that you know i i'm supposed to hate you you were my enemy um was this idea that no, you're a, you're another human being. You have sons. I have a daughter. Uh, you have a wife. I have a wife. You've got a life. I've got a life. And when you when you bore me on that uh, the stereotypical stuff, you find souls. You find emotions. You find uh, caring and compassion and all the stuff that we don't want to believe that our enemy actually has.
0: Are you? Um... What compelled you at the beginning of this project to actually get into the project?
1: Well, that was you write this book. That is all credit to Don's daughter, Marion. So in 2008, um, I uh, interviewed Malarkey uh, uh, 10 times for his memoir, Easy Company Soldier. So I had a connection to the Malarkey family here in Oregon. I live an hour south of where Don lived in Salem, Oregon. So I had that connection. And at one point, I remember he said, you know, I think we were having lunch or something between interview sessions. He said, funniest thing is, you know, I, I, a few years back, I met a German soldier that that fought pretty close to where I was. And to be honest with you, Alan, I just kind of blew it off. I was, it was, I was knee deep in this uh, uh, memoir trying to meet our deadline and I didn't need any more and an extension of this story. So over a decade later, after Don has died um, in 2019, Marion contacts me and says, you know, I think there's another book to write. And at first I was skeptical. I just, I wasn't sure there was enough there. I knew I knew we had tons of malarkey. My gosh, he was one of the band of brothers. He was featured in, you know, half a dozen of the episodes that, you know, over 2 million people watched. On the other hand, you've got Fritz Engelbert. And I thought, this is not going to be fair. We're, we're not going to be able to learn the life story of Fritz Engelbert in the same way that we were able to learn the story of of Don Malarkey. But when I contacted his sons, they both said they were willing to come to America. They said they had over 300 letters that their father had written during the war, and that they would be happy to translate them for me. They had hundreds of photos, and so, and they knew a lot about their father's experience because he had he had written some stuff down, He had been interviewed by the History Channel, and so suddenly, as a journalist, I said, "This is doable. I think we can. I think we can bring Fritz up to Don's uh, level in terms of." Uh, the amount of information. I think we can understand Fritz at, a, at the same level that we can understand Don. and that's when I pressed the go button, and uh, and my agent, you know, found Regnery History uh, was interested in publishing it and, and was full speed ahead.
0: Well, I highly recommend "Saving My Enemy" by uh, Bob Welch. And Bob, where can people purchase the book?
1: It's it's available in, in most bookstores, whatever bookstores are still standing. Uh Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, uh the the usual suspects. So anyway, Alan, I appreciate the time and uh I do think that saving my enemy is just one of those stories that i I think it's not just for the war buff. I think it's for anybody who's interested in um human beings, basically, and, and particularly the power of forgiveness, the power of reconciliation and, uh, and and thinking bigger about people who we once called our enemies.
0: Well, Bob, I agree with everything that you said, especially your closing statement here. I thank you for taking the time to be with us. Our audience includes many veterans and families of veterans And I agree with you, it's not just a war story, although there are parts of it that are a war story and some insights into some odious uh, organizations like Hitler Youth. And so I think it's a good history lesson, but it also has a message beyond the battlefield. I thank you. I enjoyed the book. And as we market this book, we will urge people to purchase
1: it. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it. Honor to be on your show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube.